Yes, last night I watched the changing of the guard. Being what I suspected to be the oldest person in the room, I watched along with about nearly 50 other people the Melbourne premiere of the movie Power On. I watched as many young people enthusiastically and with great laughter and joy tackled the climate crisis. Yes, the guard was changing. On my way home, and I had to drive home from Seymour as I took the train from Seymour to Melbourne, I listened to my favourite musician, Bruce Springsteen, and this is the land of hope and dreams, from his album The Wrecking Ball. Maybe Springsteen is not your sort of music, but he inspires me. And on the way home in the car, I had him on full noise on the car stereo. It was wonderful. So whenever I'm feeling a bit down or need to have my enthusiasm renewed and my passion reignited, I listen to Springsteen. It works every time. Yes, this is Climate Conversations, your latest episode, and I am your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Now please don't forget to follow this podcast because if you do that, you'll be alerted every time I publish a new episode. Heat records are being broken all around the world and we have a story now from Yahoo News by the senior editor Ben Adler. The headline for Ben's story is Unprecedented and Terrifying. World sets all-time high temperature record two days in a row. His story begins, the Earth's average temperature reached an all-time high on Monday, and then again on Tuesday, in what is shaping to be a year of record-breaking heat. Monday's global average temperature of 62.62 degrees Fahrenheit was exceeded Tuesday when it reached 62.92 degrees Fahrenheit, according to the University of Maine's Climate Change Institute. Bill McGuire, Professor Emeritus of Geophysical Climate Hazards at University College London, called the back-to-back records totally unprecedented and terrifying. Let's listen now to an article from the Lehigh News in the US about the remarkable heat. Tuesday was Earth's hottest day on record. Here's what it means for the Lehigh Valley. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, while the Lehigh Valley was battling oppressive heat and humidity this week amid 4th of July fireworks and barbecues, a new record was set for the highest average global temperature in recorded history. And then, the next day, the record was broken again. Researchers on Monday recorded the hottest average global temperature until Tuesday, the 4th of July, broke the record, according to the University of Maine's Climate Reanalyzer, which tracks and compares global temperature data from 1979 onward. The average global temperature reached 62.9 degrees Fahrenheit, surpassing the August 2016 record of 62.46 degrees. While the Lehigh Valley is no stranger to the effects of climate change, from the rounds of hazy Canadian wildfire smoke to more frequent severe weather, the new record is a startling reminder of how global warming has local impacts and the work needed now to prevent further warming. The planet's climate has varied a huge amount over a long period of record, 
for a billion years, said Ray Martin, meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Mount Holly. And it's important to remember for us that the problem with climate change is not necessarily that we're going to destroy life or obliterate the human race, specifically. It's that our system is adapted to the current climate, and when you change it, all those adaptations have to change to keep up with the changes. At the end of June, Michael E. Mann, a presidential distinguished professor in the Earth and Environmental Science Department at the University of Pennsylvania and a leading voice on climate change, made a prediction. This will almost certainly be the warmest year on record, courtesy of warming trend plus large El Nino, said Mann in the June 24th post. So we can expect the warmest month, warmest week, warmest day, and probably warmest hour. It turns out, he was right, or, at least temperatures, are trending that way. A little over a week after Mann sent the tweet, researchers recorded the world's hottest day on record. Scientists have attributed the temperature increase to a combination of El Nino and climate change. The former is a climate pattern that occurs when trade winds weaken and warm water is pushed back east, toward the west coast of the Americas. The warmer waters cause the Pacific jet stream to move south of its neutral position, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. With this shift, areas in the northern U.S. and Canada are drier and warmer than usual. But in the U.S. Gulf Coast and southeast, these periods are wetter than usual and have increased flooding. The past nine years have been the warmest years since modern record-keeping began in 1880, according to NASA. The reason for the warming trend is that human activities continue to pump enormous amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, and the long-term planetary impacts will also continue, said Gavin Schmidt, director of GISS, NASA's leading center for climate modeling. Couple El Nino with an already warming global climate, and the record was broken by less than half of a degree. But an incremental increase can cause big changes, Martin said. A few degrees rise in temperature might result in a much more severe drought in the summer causing crop failures or you might get different rainfall patterns, which may flood some areas and drought some other areas, he said. Certain natural species which need snow, they're not going to see as much snow or cold weather, they might have to migrate north. Other species will migrate north toward us from areas that we don't see them currently. It's a matter of adapting to the changes that are going to happen, because we changed the climate. Climate change is expected to bring more heat and flooding to the Commonwealth, as well as increased pests and disruptions to agriculture, according to the State Department of Environmental Protection. Over the last 100 years, the state's average temperature has increased by 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, and is expected to warm another 5.9 degrees by 2050. While rare historically, less than once per year, on average, days above 95 degrees Fahrenheit are projected to occur about 12 times per year by mid-century and 31 times per year by end of century, according to the DEP 2021 Climate Change Impacts Assessment. The warmest parts of the state could experience up to 37 days above 95 degrees Fahrenheit by 2050. Hotter summers and milder winters can cause increased prevalence of mosquitoes and ticks, as well as the illnesses they can transmit, West Nile and Lyme disease, respectively. Pennsylvania already has some of the highest numbers of cases of Lyme disease in the nation, with nearly 12,000 in 2017, triple the number from just 10 years ago.
This increase is possibly due to the western expansion of line-bearing ticks and warmer winters that are leading to higher tick populations. Researchers have called Pennsylvania Ground Zero for Lyme disease. For more than a decade, the Commonwealth has ranked in the top 10 states with the most cases of Lyme per year, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In 2021, it was third in the nation, with 2,900 cases reported. Reached by email Friday, Mann said Pennsylvania and the Valley can expect more of what we're already seeing as climate change worsens. More extreme and deadly heat, worse droughts, wildfires and the smoke that comes with them, and worse flooding, because a warmer atmosphere can hold more moisture so when it rains you get more of it, he said. We just published a study the other day showing that the East Coast is a hotspot for extreme compound heat-slash-drought events that simultaneous heat and drought, the sorts of conditions that produce those wildfires we've seen back east this summer, mostly in Canada but the wind patterns bring them down to us. The study, Three Things to Know, Climate Change's Impact on Extreme Weather Events, included a worst-case scenario, by the late 21st century approximately 20% of global land areas are expected to witness approximately two, compound drought and heat wave, events per year. These events could last for around 25 days and a fourfold increase in severity. The record-breaking global temperature provides another reason to take action, said Carolyn Van Dyke, of the Lehigh Valley Chapter of Citizens Climate Lobby, a non-profit environmental group. At present, we're focused particularly on two initiatives of the National CCL Organization, Healthy Forests and Clean Electrification, Van Dyke said. By protecting, expanding and managing our forests in a way that is climate smart, we can pull the equivalent of 22% of America's carbon pollution by 2030. During hot weather, trees can reduce temperatures by 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Electrification will make us healthier by cleaning the air we breathe in our homes. That's particularly important when smoky air and heat keep us indoors. The group is also focused on reintroducing and supporting the Federal Carbon Fee and Dividend Act, which proposes a carbon tax on fossil fuel companies that is given as a dividend, or carbon cash back payment, to Americans. In addition to large-scale legislative changes, residents can also help prevent further warming at home. Using renewable energy, weatherizing homes, investing in energy-efficient appliances and reducing water waste are just some of the ways residents can help, according to the nonprofit Natural Resources Defense Council. It is important to realize that we may have the power to fix that, reduce CO2 emissions, but there is, of course, a natural climate change cycle as well, Martin said. We don't want to cause our own harm, in other words, by altering the climate unnecessarily. Asked if society is past the point of proactive work and must instead learn to adapt, Mann said a combination of tactics is needed. We must prevent whatever warming we can, while adapting to those impacts that are now inevitable, Mann said. So it's not either slash or it's both. Now we have a story from The Guardian. It's in a section entitled climate crimes. The headline for the story is, US cities are suffocating in the heat. Now they want retribution. The story begins, for years, an elderly man stood as a regular fixture around his East Baltimore neighbourhood for the way he would wander the streets in the summer, trying to stay outside his sweltering home until nightfall. This man, who suffers from dementia, 
lived in a row house that shared side walls with neighbouring homes, with windows only in the front and back. There was little airflow, which trapped the heat inside. It's not unusual for upper floors of such homes to be several degrees hotter than their temperature outdoors. During a nearly two-week heat wave that swept through the city in July 2019, Cynthia Brooks, Executive Director of the Big Eddy Family Centre, a local non-profit that provides food and other services for the poor and homeless, noted she hadn't seen the man for a while. Finally, on one of the code red days, when the forecasted heat index was expected to be 105 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 40.56 degrees Celsius, or higher, he stumbled out of his house, looking disorientated. No one knows how long he'd been sitting inside, alone, without a fan or air conditioning. This man had no one to call. No family was around, and alerting emergency responders would have led to a hefty medical bill. Brooks dropped everything and took him to the nearby Johns Hopkins Hospital, where he was diagnosed with heat stroke and given treatment. After that incident, Brooks became his legal custodian. He currently lives in a senior home nearby, and she makes his treatment decisions. Now we have something from Yale Climate Connections. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. As the climate warms, parts of the American Southwest are experiencing more frequent dust storms. What happens is there is a mixture of drought or dry conditions, higher temperatures and reduced soil moisture, as well as wind that come together and create these giant walls of sand and dust. Dr. Caitlin Rubley, an assistant professor of emergency medicine at the University of Colorado, says these events are harmful to human health. The airborne particles can hurt people's eyes, airways, and lungs. In severe circumstances, they'll have such difficulty breathing that they'll get something like air hunger, whereby they have to come to the emergency department and see me because they are just gasping for air. Rubley was part of a team that analyzed data on intensive care unit admissions and dust storms over a 15-year period. They found that admissions for respiratory problems increased by an average of about 9% on the day of a dust storm. So as the Southwest gets hotter and drier, there's a growing need for doctors to educate vulnerable patients about the risks and for early warning systems to alert people about possible dust storms. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Next, we have a story from the New York Times. And the headline for that story is, Heat records are broken around the globe as Earth warms fast. The story is by Brad Plummer and Elena Sheo. The story begins... The past three days were quite likely the hottest in Earth's modern history, scientists said on Thursday. An astonishing surge of heat across the globe continued to shatter temperature records from North America to Antarctica. The spike comes as forecasters warned that the Earth could be entering a multi-year period of exceptional warmth, driven by two main factors, continued emissions of heat-trapping gases, mainly caused by humans burning oil, gas and coal, and the return of El Nino, a cyclical weather pattern. Let's listen now as Terry Kelly talks with Anika Molesworth in Great Australians on the R.M. Williams Outback podcast. And you'll find a link for that podcast in the show notes.
I've really yeah, developed my voice around climate action and climate advocacy is because this is the greatest challenge facing Australian farmers and farmers all around the world. Here on the property, having fallen in love with it and then watching it degrade before my eyes, watching it suffer, realising that the wildlife was disappearing, like you didn't see the kangaroos anymore, the birds vanished and I really missed the sound of bird song. Welcome to the RM Williams Outback Great Australians podcast. I'm Terry Cowley from RM Williams Outback magazine. I hope you enjoy hearing from the inspirational men and women who fairly leap from the pages of our new Great Australians publication. One such is Anika Molesworth, who really is a force of nature. She combines her love of farming and nature with a passion for giving voice to a new generation of concerned farmers. I spoke with a very articulate Anika at home in Broken Hill, New South Wales. Next, we have a story from The Conversation, and this story is by a postdoctoral research fellow in atmospheric sciences at Monash University, Kimberly Reed. The headline for her story is, Why are so many climate records breaking all at once? Her story begins, In the past few weeks, climate records have been shattered across the globe. July 4 was the hottest global average day on record, breaking the new records that the previous day Average sea temperatures have been the highest ever recorded and Antarctic sea ice extent the lowest on record. Also on July 4, the World Meteorological Organization declared El Nino had begun, setting the stage for a likely surge in global temperatures and disruptive weather and climate patterns. So what's going on with the climate? And why are we seeing all these records tumbling at once? Let's turn our attention to fellow podcaster Climate One. And I'm nervous about referring to myself as a fellow podcaster because that either elevates me or degrades them. But whatever, we've all got to talk about what's going on with the climate. And so let's listen now to this new episode from Climate One, which is Law and Oil, taking climate change offenders to court. This is Climate One. I'm Ariana Brocious. And I'm Greg Dalton. On this show, we talk about many so-called levers, actions that can help create big change and address the climate emergency. In the last several years, climate advocates have begun using a new tool to spur climate action, the courts. In the U.S., we've seen a rise in lawsuits filed against oil majors for their role in the climate crisis, ranging from public nuisance to racketeering, to hold them accountable for the harms caused by their decades-long campaigns of deception about their products. Other lawsuits target state and national governments for not fulfilling their emissions reduction targets and putting future generations at risk, says Lucy Maxwell with the Climate Litigation Network. We talk a lot about ambition and that remains crucial, but at a very minimum, courts can play a key role in ensuring that promises are kept. In mid-June, a constitutional U.S. climate case brought by young people went to trial, Held versus Montana. You probably heard about this one in the news. And it's really the first climate accountability case to move to trial in the U.S., which makes it a very important moment. Delta Murner is with the Union of Concerned Scientists. The lawsuit was filed by 16 young people from Montana who are concerned about their rights to a safe and healthy environment. They believe that their government's actions, such as promoting and supporting fossil fuel extraction and burning, are making the climate crisis worse and are harming their lives. 
Don't forget, you'll find a link to the Climate One podcast in the show notes. Next, we have the voiceover from a television news program on CNN. And the headline for the story is, The planet saw its hottest day on record this week. It's a record that we've broken again and again. You'll find a link for that story in the show notes. Amazing to think that water temperatures in the Pacific Ocean can impact the weather all over the world. But it's true, and it's called El Nino. The term, translated from Spanish, means the little boy, which historically has been a reference to the Christ child, since El Nino conditions would typically arrive around Christmas in South America. A typical El Nino usually lasts between six to eight months and typically occurs irregularly, approximately every two to seven years. These changes in ocean temperatures play a huge role in our day-to-day weather. During a normal year, the warm ocean water on the surface along the equator is pushed westward by the strong trade winds. When this happens, the cooler water underneath rises to the surface near South America. Now, during an El Nino year, the trade winds aren't as strong, so the warmer water that would normally push west instead stays over the eastern Pacific near South America all while spreading north and south near California and Chile. When this phenomenon occurs, many of the fish that would thrive in the cooler water either migrate elsewhere or die. And the weather patterns change drastically as well. During El Nino years, more rain falls in the southwestern and southeastern U.S., while the north experiences much drier and warmer weather. It has been known to cause intense flooding across eastern sections of Africa, leading to landslides, an increase in waterborne diseases, and even food shortages, while northern and southern parts of the continent experience severe drought. El Nino is also known to leave much of Australia and Asia warmer and drier than usual. And El Nino will reduce hurricane development in the Atlantic by creating more wind shear across the region. However, it has the opposite effect on the West Pacific, allowing for more typhoon development. I've got no idea how Bruce Springsteen feels about the climate crisis, but at least he inspires me to do more. His music has nothing to do with the climate crisis, but I still find it inspiring. Springsteen often sings about broken dreams, and I see them coming at alarming speed, and people everywhere are going to be in trouble as their dreams are torn asunder, as the climate crisis wrecks their aspirations, as the climate crisis destroys their dream. We have to be ready. We have to understand how we deal with this. Thanks so much, Bruce, for your inspiration, and I'd love you to turn your composing skills to the climate crisis. I know my request will have no impact, but it's the old story if you don't ask. Yes, we've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks for your company. It's been great to have you on board. And please, I'd love to know what you think about this podcast, so please email me at number 7 at iCloud.com and tell me what I should be doing, what I should be pursuing, what stories I should be pursuing, and who I should be attempting to talk with. And there's just a couple of other issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends. In fact, I'd love you to share it with your friends because we all need to know all we possibly can about the climate crisis. And please follow this podcast, because if you do that, you'll be automatically alerted every time I publish a new episode. And please remember, you'll find links to all those stories I've mentioned in the show notes, along with several others. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle.